Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. All right, here we are once again bringing it to you, the rock and roll that we all love to talk about and enjoy and crank up loud so much. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. We like to challenge people, challenge people to think, you know, to dig deep within for the answers to the questions that revolve this universe and today we're doing exactly that because it's the return of beat the geek week three big rounds we're gonna do today i'm your host with the most but i couldn't do it without this man the geek himself the professor of rock and roll chris sinzak what's going on brother are you up for the challenge of beat the geek week yeah, for sure. I'm always excited to do this. And, of course, we're going to have a round in the middle of Reverse Beat the Geek where yeah. I'm going to ask the questions and Aaron's going to get challenged. So that's oh, going to be fun. I love it. I think my record's pretty strong. I think your record's got to be pretty strong, too, I would think. Overall, but not so much lately. Well, let's see how it goes today. We've got three worthy challengers, two for you, one for me. We're going to meet them all in a minute, and we're going to have some fun with the greatest game show in history, beat the geek. But before we get to all that, you know us. We got to take care of that business. And man, there's nothing more we love than reviews and recommendations. I'm almost afraid to look. <laughs> 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 the folder's sitting right in front of me, and I'm like, oh man, do I open it? The last time I opened it, there wasn't anything in there. Kind of bummed me out. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to open we got holy shit i see something it's it's five pink stars oh shit you know what that means we got a pod chaser review you guys know about pod chaser it's an awesome website where you can go and review your favorite podcasts right down to the episode yeah you can take a specific episode and leave a review about that and i see that that's exactly what we got right here. And it's from a good friend of ours at the Sean Geek Podcast. And he reviewed Alternate Kistory. And his review goes like this. All right, people. This episode was so damn good that it needs a review. Five stars is not enough for the high concept episode they did here. There are a million Kiss-related podcasts, but... What Decibel Geek did in this episode is break the podcast medium with this idea. 
This is way more than just talking KISS. This is way more than two chuckleheads talking music. What this show brings in every episode, especially this one, is taking fandom to a new level that is creative and groundbreaking. I could not stop smiling ear to ear as I listened. Thank you for doing this. You made my effing year. Man, you gotta love that. Alternate history. People loved it. Sean Geek loved it. Check out his show, The Sean Geek Podcast, and his band, Dome. You remember them? We played them a while back. Man, what a great review for such a fun show. Yeah, that's uh, that's incredible praise to get for that episode. And But, like, we both felt like when we recorded it, like, this is a special one. You know, it, it, it definitely is It differed from anything we had done before. And all thanks to you, Aaron. I mean, just a, an incredibly creative idea to, to kind of look at things in a different way you know, light. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, like I said before, I, I want to hear that, uh, that star child album and yeah. I want to, you know, I want to see Gene being a bond villain yeah. and, uh, <laughs> I want to hear, you know, Peter singing a song from a Fraley's common album. You know, it's right. just, it's su- such a cool concept. Well, and the cool thing about it too, is that, you know, it is really outside of the box. Like we really try to do things our own way, you know, and we've never really pigeonholed ourselves into anything other than we're a couple of dudes that really, 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 really love hard rock and heavy metal music, and we especially love Kiss. So it was really fun to take a different kind of approach to doing that, and it makes me feel good that so many people appreciated it because it was a really cool thing to come up with, and I think maybe even to me the most fun part of that was when we did like kind of almost like a we did an episode of the Chris and Aaron show or no actually it was an episode of the Torpedo Dudes that's for our Decibel Geek VIPs where you and I sat down and kind of talked it out like how this was going to work and how it was going to go and if it was going to work and how good it was going to do and so we were able to kind of hash that out between the two of us by sharing that with our Decibel Geek VIPs who subscribe to the extra content that we provide on Patreon. So if you love Decibel Geek and you want to get the the behind-the-scenes type stuff and a lot of fun things for Torpedo Dudes, the KISS podcast we do, and of course we got the Chris and Aaron show. It's got a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff on it. We still got to do our special UFO episode not about the band, but about being abducted. <laughs> Not so much abducted, but sightings. Oh, okay. All right. Unless you have, unless you have that story to tell. I got a crazy story to tell. I'm, it's, it's wild, man. But yeah, we'll do that for our VIPs because that's the extra stuff outside of the regular show that we like to do. And our top supporters, the ones that love us the most, are the ones that want extra content. So we do our best to provide that for them. And it's, if you like outside-the-box stuff, you're going to love that because we're talking about all kinds of different things and not just hard rock and heavy metal, but, of course, we still talk about rock music all the time on it, too. So you're going to enjoy that. So become a Decibel Geek VIP over on Patreon. And you know what? Take a minute. And if you're on Facebook or Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it nowadays, and put the follow to Pantheon Podcast because Pantheon is this group of podcasts that are considered to be the best music podcasts on the entire planet. 
And Pantheon has brought us all together and put us all in one place. So if you like Decibel Geek Podcasts, then odds are there's going to be other podcasts you're going to dig too. And if you love music podcasts, there's no better place to find your new favorite or another one to go along with your favorite than at Pantheon. So give them a like, give them a follow, and tell them Decibel Geek sent you. And give them a thanks for being such great supporters of us. And, you know, we never made no money off this show until Pantheon came along. So, you know, it helps us get to do cool extra things and affords us a little time to, you know, use our brains to come up with weird concepts and different stuff. And, man, we love Pantheon, and we appreciate them helping us out so much. You guys show them some love. It would mean a lot to us. So thanks to everybody that, you know, loved that episode last week because we love bringing it to you. And we know who loved it the most. They're the people that love us the most. When they see on Facebook that a new episode come out, for example, Beat the Geek Week. When they see that post on Facebook, they go, oh, I got to share this with my people. And when they share it, or if they're on X or Twitter or whatever, and they share it and retweet it, I don't know what you re-exit. I don't know how any of this works I have no idea what it, yeah, I've, I've lost track of it. What we never lose track of is who shares and retweets it because those people get put on a list and those people are our friends, our best friends, our Geeks of the Week. Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Rock and Ron Runyon, Kristen Schimbeck, Ray Kuhn, Simon Cat, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Shay Harkett, Eric Sinzak. That's my brother. That's my brother. <laughs> Grayson Gallegos, Brent Tibbetts, Aaron Baker, David Glenn, Mike Parnell, Joey Vancieri, Keith Rockford, Ignacio Seraf, Mark Starsky, Shane Abair, Derek Novak, Al Horta, John Phillips, Warren Edward LaRue Baker, Craig Turdich, Steve Selepsky, this is hard after a few beers, Matt Porter, Andy Rodriguez, Tom Loggs, and Pantheon Podcast, Don of the Rising Thorb, Bjorn Olson, Sit and Spin with Joe, Myra Chapman, Rob Webb, Todd Cunningham, David Glenn, Mike Moon, Samuel Wetz, A to Z Radio, Mike Bold, In Obscuria Podcast, Stacey Sullivan, Sean Geek Podcast, Mark Alden Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Mark and Jerry BS Sessions, David Cathy, Will Honeycutt, Joseph Capone, Ralph Vieira, Eladio, Alan Deshaun, Jeff Mendenhall, Hakon Bergstad, Whiting Guitar Works, Kevin's on Fire, Too Punk to Be a Podcast, J.J. McElhenney, Vet Halen, Ernesto Aguiar, Victor Ruiz, Scott Crouch, and as always... The, the Mooger Fooger. Oh, that was a rough one. <laughs> it's weird, though, because it lines up on my end, so there's a delay on your end. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Mooger Fooger. I'm going with you. your delay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well. This is what you can look forward to on Patreon. All right. Totally. So here we are, bringing it back to you once again. The greatest game show of all time. Chris Sinzak, I hope you're up for the challenge for some Beat the Geek. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, here we are. Time right now for the game show that goes to 11. You know I'm talking about Beat the Geek. That's right. The greatest game show of all time. It's true. It really is. You're about to find out. As you know, we've done this in the past. Got the game show. It's awesome. It's all about hard rock and heavy metal. We're going to find out if our guest has what it takes to take on the geek, Chris Sinzak. So, let's kick off the first round right now. Chris, how are you feeling today? Well, I always feel good going into this, and then... um 
than I usually do badly, at least the last few times. So we'll we'll see how this goes. Um, I don't know. I I, I feel pre- I feel kind of sharp because I had to put together questions for the next round after this one. So, you know, I think ah. I'm on my game a little bit. I think. Okay, cool. Well, let's find out how that goes as I now introduce you to your opponent. This is a man. He's well-known in the Decibel Geek community as somebody who makes a lot of comments and, you know, posts quite a bit, always has an awesome opinion, knows about the coolest bands, has turned Chris and I on to a bunch of bands, including the band Plush, which we played a while back on the Fresh Blood episode. And, you know, a lot of people knew about them already, but the ones that didn't sure enjoyed being turned on to them. And that was thanks to our friend. He's a great supporter of the show. He's written us reviews. He owns a Decibel Geek t-shirt. He is a member of the Decibel Geek VIPs. And he's our awesome friend. And your opponent, Steve Seslepsky. How's it going, Steve? Good, Aaron. How are you, buddy? Man, I'm awesome. I'm ready for some Beat the Geek. How are you feeling today about this? Like everything else in life, confident, and then the reality is crash and fucking burn. <laughs> well, so we got two opponents in the same mind space yeah. today. <laughs> well, you get automatic cool points from me because I respect anyone else that has a Z in their last name. So my hat's off to you for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always got to pause for that moment whenever I pronounce either one of your last names, even after all this time. Like, oh boy, here we go. Get this right. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. So I guess let's get right to it. If you're not familiar with Beat the Geek, this is, like I said, the greatest game show of all time. I've got 11 questions because, yes, This is the show that goes to 11. We're going to keep track of score. We're going to find out at the end who's the champion of this whole thing. 11 questions. It goes back and forth. We'll start with the geek, Chris Sinzak. I will ask the question. Before I give the four multiple choices, I will ask Steve, based on his knowledge of Chris and what he thinks Chris knows, and if he thinks it's a hard question or if it's a softball, then he will decide if he wants to bet against Chris or not. If he chooses not to bet against Chris and Chris gets it right, then Chris gets a point. If he chooses not to bet against Chris and Chris gets it wrong, nobody gets points. But if he bets against him and Chris gets it right, Chris will get two points. Double. Yeah, that's right. And if Steve bets against Chris and Chris gets it wrong, then Steve will get Chris's point. I know it's a little complicated, but it's fun. Trust me. You'll catch on real quick. So I've got 11 questions. The first one will go to Chris. And it is this. Contraband was a 1990 supergroup featuring Tracy Guns, Michael Schenker, and Cher Pedersen. But who played drums? Now, before Chris answers and before I give him four choices, Steve, I got to know. You know, this is a game of points. The idea is to gather as many as you can. This is the very first question of the first round. I got to know, do you want to bet against Chris, or do you want to play it safe? I'm going to play it safe. All right, Chris, you are not being bet against. We're trying to figure out who was the drummer in Contraband. We know it was a super group, so it's a pretty well-known guy. Your choices are Fred Corey of Cinderella, Bobby Blotzer of Rat, Frankie Benali of Quiet Riot, 
or Wild McBrown of Dokken? Well, you threw me a softball with this one because I, I know a lot about this band because they're one of the most fascinating case studies of something that had had all the potential in the world and failed miserably. Uh, the drummer for Contraband was Bobby Blotzer. That is correct. Steve, right in not betting against you. You got it right. Chris kicks it off with the first point of Beat the Geek. It's a good one. Yeah, that is a pretty wild story. With That's fascinating. Richard Black, uh, had n- he, he has the best interviews about that whole saga. Oh, I can imagine. All right, so the score is one nothing. Chris takes the lead. The next question goes to Steve, and the premise is the same. I'll ask the question. Chris will have a chance to bet or not bet against you. We'll give the choices, and we'll go from there. So question number two to Steve is this. Gregory Harges is better known to rock music fans by this name. So we're going to try to figure out who this is. Clearly, he doesn't go by Gregory Harges. Chris, do you want to bet against Steve, or do you want to play it safe? See, I don't really know Steve in person, so this is hard for me to decide if I want to bet against, because I really don't have a frame of reference for his knowledge. So I'll play it safe this time. All right, Steve, you're not being bet against, but the pressure is still there to get it right. Gregory Harges, is that Buckethead, King Diamond, Beefcake the Mighty, or Lizzie Borden? I'm going to say Lizzie Borden. That is correct. Very good. All right. I love a competitive game, and here we are. Questions number number one and number two both answered correctly. This is going to be a good one. I can feel it. In full disclosure. He's your cousin. <laughs> I, pulled, I, I pulled that right out of my head. I thought you were going to say, he's actually my first cousin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go ahead. That's pretty cool. All right, so the next question goes back to Chris, and it is this. This is Queensryche's highest charting album on the U.S. Billboard charts. According to the Billboard charts right here in the United States, what is Queensryche's most popular album? Steve, do you want to bet against him? You're going to let it slide. I'm going to let it slide. Chris, Chris knows this like he knows his own name. All right. Well, okay. Not being bet against. Your opponent has a lot of confidence in you. Let's see if More you can. I have it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Just do your best. I will. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Queen's Reich's highest charting album on the U.S. Billboard charts was it 1988's Operation Mind Crime, 2009's American Soldier. 1990s Empire or 1994's Promised Land? Definitely not Mind Crime because they had nothing going on before that. I well, I don't know. Um, just on the sheer amount of charting singles, I'm going to go with Empire. That is incorrect. Oh. Yeah, kind of surprising on this one. Operation Mind Crime peaked at 50. American Soldier at 25, Empire climbed up to 7, but 1994's Promised Land was number 3 on the U.S. Billboard album charts. Yeah, I was going on 
uh, singles too, like promotes most albums. That is, uh, that's that is. Different. How the fuck does yeah. Promised Land rank th- coming at three? <laughs> I, I guess it was just the competition at God, the time, or something. Must have been nothing else like out something that week. lined up. Right, maybe. Yeah, Promised Land, not known as one of Queensryche's strongest mm-hmm. albums. All right, you got it wrong, but you were not bet against. Zero points awarded. The score remains tied one to one. And the next question goes back to Steve. Before a chance meeting with Tawny Katane, this well-known model was David Coverdale's choice to play the role of the White Snake Woman. Chris, I'm going to give him four supermodels. He's going to tell us which one was the original choice between these models before David Coverdale met Tawny Katane and said, holy shit, uh, forget these other chicks, we're going with her. Chris, do you want to bet against Steve in this round, or do you want to play it safe? This is a real deep cut of a question, so I'm, I'm going to bet against him, because that, that's a tough one. All right, Steve, you're being bet against. You could jump up by two points, or you could fall behind by one. The supermodel that David Coverdale had in mind before he met Tawny Katane. Was it Claudia Schiffer, Giselle Bunchen, Tyra Banks, or Kathy Ireland? Bunchen. That is incorrect. To Claudia Schiffer. He really had his heart set on Claudia Schiffer. <laughs> but then Tawny Katane turned his head and he forgot all about her. So, Steve, you got it wrong, and Chris did bet against you. That was the right thing to do. So, Chris gets your point. And takes the lead two to one. All right. But we're only on question number five. We got a long ways to go. And I may have failed to mention, we also got double points coming up in the kiss round right around the corner. So this is all very early in the game. So this question goes back to Chris. Kill for Thrills was a Los Angeles band from the late 80s known for featuring future Guns N' Roses member Gilby Clark. The lead guitarist of this band was the son of this rock legend. So Steve, Chris got to figure out the guitar player from Kill for Thrills. Who was his famous musician dad? Do you want to bet against him, or do you think he knows it? I'll bet against him. All right, stakes are high on Beat the Geek. Chris, you got some choices here. Legendary people all in their own right, but only one of them had a son that would go on to play guitar with Gilby Clark in Kill for Thrills. Was it the son of Pete Townsend of The Who, Mike Nesmith of The Monkees, John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin, or George Harrison of The Beatles? Mike Nesmith of The Monkees. That is correct. Jason Nesmith, lead guitarist for Kill for Thrills. Right. All right. Well, that changes things a little bit because, Chris, you were bet against and you got it right. That's two points. (sighs) Bringing the score up four to one. (laughs) Fear not, Steve. We still got a long ways to go in this one. Yeah, we do. And the next question belongs to you. All right. In the 1970s, at a show in New Jersey, the bands Black Sabbath and Cactus had a violent confrontation backstage. What was the cause of the conflict? Mm. 
What would make such awesome dudes want to fight each other? Chris, I'm going to give him four choices. He's got to figure out the reason why they almost killed each other backstage. Do you want to bet against him with your three-point lead? Or are you feeling good about where you're at? I'm feeling good. I'm not going to bet against him. All right, Steve. Well, you got a chance to score a point, and that's one in the correct direction. Your choices for the reason these guys almost killed each other backstage, was it? Carmina Peace was caught having sex with Sharon. Ozzy pissed in Tim Bogert's beer. Black Sabbath stole weed from Cactus. Or Bill Ward called Carmine a shitty drummer. Ward called Carmine a shitty drummer. That is incorrect. That sounds totally plausible. <laughs> That's what. <laughs> yeah, but I think more plausible is the fact that Black Sabbath stole weed from Cactus. Oh, that, that too. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what almost caused a huge blow up at a show in New Jersey between those two bands. Well, Steve, you got it wrong, but you were not bet against, so zero points awarded. Score remains four to one in the favor of Chris Sinzak. All right, we're up to question number seven. Kiss round with double the points is right around the corner. But before that, we got to get through this. Chris, the question is yours. The Godsmack song, Under Your Scars, was inspired by this pop music megastar who also is the former girlfriend of lead vocalist Sully Erna. Now, I got to imagine Sully's probably dated a lot of women over the years, but... This is one you've definitely heard of. So, Steve, I got to ask you, do you think Chris is up on his Godsmack romance, or do you want to bet against him? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I kind of hope I get this one wrong. <laughs> well, shoot, man, you need some points. Do you want to bet against him? You're going to keep rolling the way you're going. I will take the uh, recommendation of the judge and bet against uh Chris. All right, Chris, you are being bet against. Sully Erna's famous former girlfriend, who they wrote a song about. Was it Billy Elish, Pink, Alicia Keys, or Lady Gaga? Jesus Christ. Um, well, it's not Billy Eilish, because she's like 18 now. So, um, and yeah, I'm stupid for knowing that. Uh, <laughs> when was her birthday yeah so you said Billie Eilish Pink Pink Alicia Keys and Lady Gaga no way it's Alicia are the Keys. choices she's, he's not her type um, I don't think Lady Gaga would put up with him so I'll say um, the other one that <laughs> was the, the last one there pink. pink I'll say it was Pink that is incorrect ah, of course yeah it was actually Lady Gaga oh dated Sully Erna for just a little while they said he said that he really enjoyed the, their time together but you know they got two pretty separate lives so it didn't really last very long but long enough for her to get a song written about her by Godsmack who knew well Steve that was a good choice to bet against Chris see I'm full of good advice that means you get a point and now you're only halfway behind score is four to two Oh, you can turn this around real quick, especially in the kiss round. Double the points. Oh, yeah. A possible four on the line for each one should things play out correctly. So the first question in the kiss round goes to Steve, and it is this. 
In 2011, it was announced that KISS would be involved in a tribute concert to this artist, who had passed away in 2009. A few days later, due to outrage from the past artist's fans, they were uninvited from the event. Who was the artist whose fans rejected KISS? Now it's the KISS round. Chris, there could be a lot of points on the line here. What do you want to do? Do you want to bet against him, or are you playing it safe in the KISS round? I think he'll figure this out just based on the year, so uh, I'm not going to bet against him. All right, Steve. You can get two points if you get this one right. He died. They were going to do a tribute show to him. They said, we should get KISS here. The fans said, oh, hell no. No KISS. Was it Ronnie James Dio? George Harrison, Michael Jackson, or David Bowie? Ronnie James Dio. That is incorrect. It was actually the fans of Michael Jackson that said no kiss at the Michael Jackson tribute. That asshole playing bass said Michael Jackson definitely molested those kids. (laughs) Huh. Okay. Well, what could have been two to four points is nothing because Chris did not bet against you, but you didn't get it right. Score remains two to four. And, man, (laughs) it's always fun trying to come up with kiss questions for Chris because you never know. It's like, God, is this too easy? I don't know this. Would he know this? He probably knows this. Oh, man, i got to come up with something harder. I don't know. It's always a challenge, but I got one for you. And it's this. Although Ace Fraley is primarily known for his love and endorsement of the triple pickup Les Paul guitar throughout his entire career, during the creation of the debut Kiss album, Ace mostly played this style of guitar in the studio. So Steve, I'm going to give him four choices of guitars. He didn't play a Les Paul on the first one. He played something else for the most part. Do you want to bet against him? Man, you need these points. But if he gets it right and you bet against him, man, he's pretty well walked away with this thing. Yeah, I'm going to bet against him. All right, it's all on the line here, Chris. Steve knows he needs those points. He's hoping and praying you get it wrong. And your choices are these. On the debut Kiss album, what did Ace Fraley play? Was it a Fender Stratocaster, an Ovation Breadwinner, a Birch SG, or a Watkins Rapier? Well, he played mostly two guitars on this record. One, which wasn't on your list, was a Fender Telecaster. He played a lot with that, but he also played with the Ovation Breadwinner. That is the answer I was looking for. Ovation Breadwinner is correct. Oh, man. In the kiss round, being bet against and getting it right will score you four points. One, two, three, four. Hooey. This is a runaway. Chris leads eight to two. It's a comeback. Well, I mean, we got two more questions left, but mathematically, I don't see it. Let's do it for fun, though. Yeah. We're still going to do them anyway. All right. Fair enough. Steve, question number 10 goes to you. Savoy Brown was an English rock band who released their debut album in 1967. In 1971, three key members of that band would quit the group and go on to form this popular 70s band. 
Chris, I mean, you got nothing to lose, man. <laughs> you can bet against them just for the hell of it if you want to. No, I'm not going to be a dick like that. No, I'm not betting All against right. him. <laughs> okay. He's not giving you a chance to score some extra points. Well, actually, if they would give him more of a chance, wouldn't it? So, yeah, I guess I will bet against him then. All right. So, yeah. you know, Chris Sinzak. I'm trying to be the nice guy. Choosing with his heart to bet against you <laughs> with his 8-3 to three lead. <laughs> That's also a shitty question. That's a hard one, man. Yes, good one. All right. So they quit Savoy Brown in 1971. They said, we're out of here. We're going to form one of the coolest bands of the 70s on our own. Was that band Foghat, Sticks, Wishbone Ash, or Uriah Heep? That's not even what uh, one of my <laughs> answers was in my head. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I have no idea on this one. So what I was going to say is Poco. No, Poco, not a choice. I, not the one. No, I'm going to say Uriah Heep. That is incorrect. <laughs> surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah. Lonesome Dave Peverett and the boys quit Savoy Brown to form Fog Hat. Yeah. Well, Chris steals your point. <laughs> Sorry. I was trying to help. Wow, yeah. All right. Well, shit. We got one more question. All right. Steve, you're betting against him. What the hell you got to lose? Right. The 2008 movie The Wrestler featured Mickey Rourke as pro wrestler Randy the Ram. Due to his friendship with the actor and knowing the small budget of the film, this lead vocalist donated one of the band's most popular songs to use as Randy the Ram's entrance theme. What a nice guy to do something like that for his pal Mickey Rourke. The choices are Stephen Piercy, Vince Neil, Steven Tyler or Axl Rose? Sadly, I still haven't seen this movie, um, oh, but it's, I've it's awesome. I've heard it's great, and I love old school wrestling, and I, and I love the whole story behind the re, the wrestling business. But I do know enough to know that it was Stephen Piercy because Round and Round was heavily used in that movie. Eh, your uh, logic seems pretty good, but it's nope. still incorrect. Oh wow! Okay, who? Yeah, was it? Randy Randy the Ram's theme song was Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses, donated by Axl Rose. And Axl's friends with Mickey Rourke, so that makes sense. Yep, there you have it. So, you got it wrong, Steve gets the point. Hey, not so bad, you got three points. (laughs) Put out on a high note. (laughs) Wow, what a blowout on this one. Chris Sinzak coming back to beat the geek to show why he is the professor of rock and roll and... The true geek of this show with a final score of nine to three. Wow. Chris, I'm glad I could come have you come back and build your confidence, brother. Well, I appreciate it. I definitely <laughs> needed a, needed a, I needed one of these wins. I'm sorry I had to come at your well, you, you got it in the, you got it in the space, buddy. It's been a blast. Thank you. Well, thanks, nice. thanks for coming on. It was cool to finally meet you and uh, you'll you have too. to come down to Nashville sometime and uh, and hang out. Absolutely. Let's definitely stay in touch, guys. Aaron, all the best to you, brother. Awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you for always supporting the show and, you know, being on the lookout for us when you see something new, you always let us know, you know. We go, "Holy shit, we got to tell people about this. We appreciate that." Absolutely, buddy. Be safe. Thanks, all man. right, my friend. You too. See ya. Bye. Oh!
All right, well, round two of Beat the Geek, and now we're going to do a reversed Beat the Geek round where Aaron Camaro will take on a special challenger. It's been a while since you've done one of these, man. Yeah, it has, but I always enjoy switching seats with you once in a while, you know, and getting to play the game because I know what goes into making quality questions that are real brain scratchers that really make you think. And I know that you, oh man, I'm afraid actually (laughs) to know what you come up with because your questions are usually pretty damn tough. And usually I get pretty lucky. I think I've won most of the times that I played, but by the skin of my teeth and by a lot of lucky guessing. Yeah. Well, I, I try to make, and you probably do the same thing. You try to come up with questions where it's something that you're learning in the process of coming up with the question. So uh, a lot of these are things that I learned today. And it was funny. I was putting together my questions this morning. I get through the first five, I fly through them, get them like put together real quickly. And then I hit a wall. And then it took me like three hours to get the last questions put together. Cause I was just like, also in another, it's hard to do this and you do a great job with it because it's hard to, come up with questions that are difficult but are still multiple choice because there's a lot of them you could put together but it's like yeah but that's going to be obvious in a multiple choice format so right you really have to get creative with this and i I think i've got some outside the box ones but yeah so welcoming in to challenge aaron today is our good buddy and longtime supporter of the show from a to z radio bill elam bill how you doing good to see you guys man seems like march was a million years ago already you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, it seemed like a year ago that we did that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, great to have you. And first off, you know, and Aaron, I know, agrees. Uh, thank you for always sharing the show and, and just singing yeah. our praises and, and being so supportive of it. You've, you've been amazing for years now. And we really appreciate you. Well, I, I think it's the least I can do. And I really appreciate you guys giving me contact where I don't murder somebody at work. So. <laughs> If I have some, if nice. I have you guys in my ear, I'm not listening to somebody else's BS. So you know, it, it works out for me. Yeah, and make sure to give you a plug. A to Z Radio dot com is uh, where dot your net. show is. Dot net. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> a to Z Radio dot net. Yes. Very cool. Twenty four seven. Sweet. What'd you think of that crazy alternate history show? That was great. Because <laughs> I was sitting there early on, I was like, "Well, this seems like a lot of the." Oh wait, that's different. <laughs> I was really digging that. That's like kind of stuff like when you, you know, like when you had your kiss cards on the playground and stuff like that. And you're going, hey, what if this guy did this? And, you know, you were almost playing a game with it, you know, with your kiss cards about it. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yep. See, I knew the kiss fans would appreciate that because kiss fans have a special creativeness to them, you know, and they see things differently because of being kiss fans. You know, we don't just accept four guys on stage staring at their shoes you know we we need a little bit more and i when i came up with that i was like i'm truly a kiss fan because this is the kind of weird stuff that kiss fans think about exactly (laughs) i still want to hear that star child album and i still want to see gene playing playing a bond villain (laughs) yeah yeah all right well here we go uh beat the geek even a reverse beat the geek is still the show that goes to 11 because it has 11 questions and um Aaron is the geek in this situation, so we're going to start with... Oh, let me go over the rules. I'll ask Aaron a question. Before I give the choices, Bill will decide if he wants to challenge the, Aaron's answer on that question. If Aaron gets it right, 
then he, if he's challenged, he will get two points. If Aaron gets it wrong, Bill will get a point. Or you can play it safe, and if he gets it right, it's a point. If he doesn't get it right, it's no points. Easy enough? Yeah. All right. Bill knows about this. Man, game. it's been a really long time since you guys done this, hasn't it? It has been yeah, a while. It has been a minute. <laughs> but the, it, it's fun to do. So let's do round one. First question. Aaron, you're the geek. This is for you. This band had a song featured on the soundtrack to the 1986 Eddie Murphy movie, The Golden Child. Was it Shark Island? Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Bill, do you want to challenge Aaron on this? I'm going to start off easy, and I'm not going to challenge him. Okay. Okay. All right. So this band song is featured on the 1986 Eddie Murphy movie soundtrack for The Golden Child. Was it Shark Island, Rat, Tora Tora, or Black and Blue? Wow. I have no idea about any band's on the Golden Child soundtrack. Doesn't seem like one of those soundtracks that jump out in my memory of ones that were like loaded full of good rock songs. And it wasn't, I'll tell you that much. It, it, this is like the only track of its type on the on the soundtrack. Shit. What year was it? 1986. 86. You want the choices again? Yeah, I'm leaning to one, but let me have them one more time. Was it Shark Island, Rat, Tora Tora, or Black and Blue? Rat was definitely the most popular of the four. So they might have been one that would get grabbed for a soundtrack. But then you think a lot of times they'll use soundtracks to try to jumpstart a younger band's career. I'm going to say Shark Island. That is incorrect. Mm. Your initial train of thought was correct. It was Rat. Dang. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's like Rat was the hottest at the time. It was the song Body Talk. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's a good one. I had no idea. All right. So, Aaron, and I got to keep track of score here. Hang on. <laughs> I can like, keep track if you need me to. Can you do that? That'll help me. Yeah. Okay. I'll be, I'll be honest, too. Wink, wink. <laughs> All right. Well, that, so no points awarded. No points. You didn't get challenged. Question number two. This is for Bill. This future in-demand producer wrote and recorded a song for his own band that would later be sold for use on Budgie's 1982 album, Deliver Us From Evil. Now, Aaron, uh, do you think you that Bill's going to know this, or do you want to challenge him? That seems like a pretty tough question. Um, I'm going to challenge. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Bill. It's on, brother. <laughs> Bring it on, little Willie. <laughs> Let me go through the question real quick, because it's a little kind of convoluted this future in-demand producer wrote and recorded a song for his own band that would later be sold for use on budgie's 1982 album deliver us from evil was it michael wagner keith olsen tom worman or bo hill Hmm. 1982 i'm gonna say michael wagner that is incorrect Correct answer is Bo Hill. He had a band called Airborne at the time that had a song that got recorded by Budgie in 1982. Wow. And I was thinking he hadn't even, you know, got into the producing game by then. Yep. Wow, that was a deep one. Yeah. (laughs) Glad I bet against you. I knew that was going to be a tough one. All right, so that was incorrect. 
and so are we at no score still? No, he gets a point. Oh yeah, okay. So Aaron gets a point. God, I'm terrible. I'm, I've had beer, and I, this is why it's hard to do this when you've been <laughs> drinking. Well, I, I'm on straight water, so I'll try to coach you through without cheating. You know. Okay, so yeah, the score too. right now is Aaron one and Bill nothing. Correct. I remember nights doing this on Friday Night Live and oh, just God. being bombed. I don't know how you kept up with it. And and do like multiple rounds and try to keep track of score and would mess it up so <laughs> bad and everybody would be correcting me in the comments and And it made yeah. for a hilarious comedy in the end. <laughs> well it's gonna make for, for a really hard edit of a podcast and I'm sorry in advance, Aaron. <laughs> All right. So next question is for Aaron. And it goes like this. This 70s hard rock band formed out of the ashes of Looking Glass, who was known for their soft rock hit Brandy. Who was it? Now, Bill, do you think Aaron's going to know this? or do you I'm going to challenge? challenge him on this oh, one. Oh, going to challenge Aaron on this one. All right. Oh, Brandy, what a fine girl you are. That's oh, right. shit. Was it Angel, Piper, Stars, or Legs Diamond? Oh, shit. I think I know this. I think I know this. So the guy from that did that song, I know this, damn it. And I had, the, like, you said one, and I was like, yep, that's it. But then you said another one, I was like, oh, shit, is it that? <sighs> damn it, I can't remember which one it is. I know I know this. Um... I'm going to go with Legs Diamond. That is incorrect. Damn. And I knew he knew it, too, because as soon as you say who it was, he's going to go smack the forehead. Yeah. It was Angel. No, No. the correct answer is Stars. Huh. Pete Sweevil and Joe X. Doobie from uh, Stars were originally in Looking Glass. Rockin' Pod 2. Yeah. That's right. Wow. Yeah, it was rattling around deep in the cobweb somewhere i know i've read that but All right. yeah not enough to do it this time bill steals my point yeah Damn it. so bill steals the point so it's one to one now correct right yep all right so the question goes back to bill this metal blades record band was featured in a concert scene in the 1988 fred savage and judge reinhold film vice versa now, Aaron, do you think he knows yeah. this, or do you no, want to, ch- you want to challenge him? No, I'm betting against him. He yeah, saw my that's... face. That's what it was. <laughs> you got to have a poker face when we record yeah. these. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Aaron's challenging you. All right. Metal Blade Records band featured in 1988 film Vice Versa. Was it Malice, Bitch, Lizzie Borden, or Merciful Fate? I'm going to say Bitch. That is incorrect. Oh, man. I just looked at a at a Metal Blade record label, too, and it's like a, a compilation thing. But Cor- Correct answer is Malice. Whoa. Malice. Wow. Yeah. I haven't heard that name in forever. I saw that movie in the theater, and like I saw he's like all hyped up about going to the Malice concert, and he goes, and they look like rock stars, and, and I'm thinking, who the hell is this band? And then you know I look them up later, and like, oh, they didn't really do much of anything. But no. They were a decent band, though. I've listened to some of their stuff. Yeah, I got, a, I got some of their stuff, but they're pretty good. Okay, so Aaron challenged you. All right. Wow. And got the point back that he lost the last round. So it's two to one, Aaron. I don't even remember that movie. <laughs> I saw it in the That's theater. What I, when you said the movie, I was like, I don't even know what that is. And then I saw your face. I was like, he doesn't know what it is. I'm betting. <laughs> 
it was one of the many '80s comedies where father, where parent and child switch bodies. Ah, uh, okay, okay, all right, yeah. And it's the one I didn't see. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wish Lizzie Borden was my dad. <laughs> all right, so question goes back to Aaron now. This well-known guitarist did a guest guitar solo on the song "Silly People" from the Muffs album "Hamburger" that was released in 2000. All right, now, Bill, do you think he's going to know this, or do you want to challenge on this one? I'm going to challenge on this one as well. All right. Bill's playing aggressive. What the hell? (laughs) I don't know about any of those things you just said. Let me go through the question one more time. Okay. Well-known guitarist did a a guest guitar solo on the song Silly People from the Muffs album, Hamburger, that was released in 2000. Was it Jakey e. Lee, Mick Mars, C.C. DeVille, or Warren D. Martini? Oh, man, I have no idea. I don't know what the muffs are. <laughs> Silly people. While Amber? you're married, you kind of know what a muff is. So. Oh. Yeah, but the muffs, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are the choices? Jakey e. Lee, Mick Mars, C.C. DeVille, or Warren D. Martini? I don't know. Um, C.C. DeVille? That is correct. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Total guess. Wow. Total guess. So that's two points for you because Bill challenged you. I needed them. And the Muffs are like a a pop punk band. They were like Jody Havnot turned me on to them. So Mm. they played a lot of that stuff on the dummy room. I thought that was going to be an easy one for Aaron because pretty much the guys in Poison, Aaron knows just about everything those guys have done. So I was a little surprised you didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know nothing about that. I'm going to have to check me out some of the muffs. Yeah. All right. So that does that make it four to one? Four to one. Yep. Four to one, Aaron. Woo. All right. Aaron's starting to run away with this. All right. Question goes to Bill. Many people don't know that the supergroup Damn Yankees actually did put together a third album that was due for release in 2000. It was a different situation as Tommy Shaw had very minimal involvement in the record and another notable guitarist was brought in to perform. Who was that guitarist? Now, Aaron, do you want to challenge him or do you think he knows this? Hmm. No, I don't know it. I think Bill might know this. I just, I got a feeling. Um, I'm not going to bet against him. All right, playing it safe. All right, Bill. Do you want me to read the question again, or are you good? I think I'm good on the question. Just give me the choices. Is it John Sykes, George Lynch, Carrie Kelly, or Damon Johnson? I'll say Damon Johnson. That is correct. Yeah, yeah, that would have been my guess, too. They finished the record, they turned it in, and John Kalodner said, this is shit, we're not releasing it. Oh, wow. Wow. Damon's a smoker, too. He is. I, I still want to hear it. Yeah, I'd love to hear that too. Um, yeah, I bet you it was probably pretty damn good. I just yeah. saw it like a, you know, it could have been a teaser on a web page or whatever, but it said that the damn Yankees got paid to go away. They did. They got paid a million dollars to not release the record. Wow. wow. Yeah. Jack Blaze confirmed it in, in an interview. If I wouldn't have been waiting in the queue, I probably would have watched that video before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I was just kind of surfing through YouTube watching yeah. status quo videos. I'd love to hear what Damon would have done with them. It's probably pretty interesting. All right. So point goes to, well, is there any, is it two points? 
No, I didn't bet against him. Oh, you didn't. He got it right. Yeah. Yeah. So no points awarded on that. No, he got no, it right. I got it right. Oh, he did get it right. <laughs> I can't wait for this round to be over so you can take over again, Aaron. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Man, good thing you're better at coming up with questions than you are at being scorekeeper. Well, I was sober when I came up with the questions. Yeah. So. All right. So it's I'm in the lead four to two right now. All right. Question goes to Aaron. And then this is the last one before we get to the kiss round. Oh, yeah. Everything can change real quick in the kiss round. That's right. Before going on to success with another band, this legendary vocalist performed with the band Sniper from 1972 to 1974 under the stage name Jeff Starship. Who is he? Bill, do you think he knows this or do you want to challenge him? I don't think he knows it. I'm going to challenge him. Oh, he's going to challenge him? Because you gave me the choice. Do you think he knows it or are you going to challenge him? That's kind of the same thing. (laughs) Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to challenge. All right. Aaron, your choices are Joey Ramone, Jeff Tate, Rob Halford, or Steve Perry. Read me the question one more time, please. Before going on to success with another band, this legendary vocalist performed with the band Sniper from 1972 to 1974 under the stage name Jeff Starship. I don't think it's Joey Ramone because I got to imagine the Ramones were probably his first band. Who are the other three? Jeff Tate, Rob Halford, and Steve Perry. Hmm. Let's see. Timeline pretty well works out for Rob Halford. Pretty well works out for Steve Perry, too, because he wasn't in Journey from the very beginning. I don't know about Jeff Tate. Um, I'm going to say Steve Perry. That is incorrect. Uh, the answer is actually Joey Ramone. For real? Yeah, Joey's, Joey's name is Jeff Hyman. Yep, that was, his, uh, that was his band right before the Ramones. Pulling in Jeff Tate, that made it kind of like, oh, wait a second, which one is that? So I was, wow. I was, I was encouraging to hear what the actual answer was too yeah and there is footage on youtube of joey singing for sniper at cbgb's in like 1973 see and i thought sniper you know that sounds like a like a joey ramone band i don't know that was a good question i had no idea thanks all right so bill steals a point from aaron on that one because he challenged him so what does that take us to three to four four. three yeah or yeah four to three aaron yes all right, well, everything can change now because <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. It's the kiss round. Double the points. Oh, yeah. People. All right. So question goes to Bill. What band was Eric Carr performing in at the time that he joined Kiss? Aaron, do you think he knows this or do you want to you bet against him? I feel like Bill's going to know this. I just feel like he's going to know it. I'm not going to bet against him. Playing it safe. All right, Bill, you ready for your choices? Yep. Your choices are Creation, Salt and Pepper, Mother Nature, Father Time, or Flasher? Creation. That is incorrect. It was Mother Nature, Father Time, wasn't it? No, the correct answer is Flasher. Really? Huh. It was a a covers band he was playing in at the time, and thanks to Julian Gill's new Amazing Mask Hysteria book, that's where that question came from. 
<laughs> wow. Well, you know it's right then. That book I haven't opened yet. Yeah. All right. Wow. I did not know that either. But played it safe, so no points awarded on that one. Correct. Kiss wrong can be a cruel mistress. <laughs> we stick it four to three. Stick it four to three, right? Making sure we're on yes. track. Yep. All right, Aaron. Here is your kiss round question. What guitarist is credited for playing on the songs "Black Tongue" and "Carnival of Souls" on Gene Simmons' "Asshole" album? Now, Bill, do you think he's going to know this, or do you want to bet against him on this and try to tie it up even here? I think he's going to know it. So playing it safe. All right, Aaron. This guitarist is credited for playing on the songs Black Tongue, Carnival of Souls on Gene Simmons' solo, uh, Asshole solo album. Is it Richie Kotzen, Dave Navarro, Bruce Kulick, or CeCe DeVille? Hmm. I'm going to say it's Bruce. That is incorrect. Damn it. It was Kotzen. It was Richie Kotzen. Damn it. I knew it when you said Kotzen. I was like, Kotzen, but then I was like, Wait a minute! I think Bruce played on. No, I, I damn it! I should have known that. See, I thought I thought Bruce played on Carnival of Souls, but I thought that Dweezil yeah. played on Black Tongue. So that's where I was confused at it. Yeah, you would think so because it came from the Zappa estate, right? Know? Yeah, yeah, that was a Zappa song. Yeah. Wow. I thought Dweezil but, played something on that album. Uh, I think he. Well, I don't know. I have to look. But yeah, that's what Richie is. Cre- that's why I said this guitarist is credited for playing on these songs. Now I don't know if Wikipedia is wrong on that, but that's what it says. Okay. So. No, I believe it. I think that's right. And once you said it, I was like, "Yep, damn it." Well, shit. A kiss round with no points awarded. Yeah, you're killing us in the kiss round. Holy shit! Usually there's that's, some. Points. That's why Chris don't be the the host very often because <laughs> they're too hard. All right, so we got two questions left. The next one goes oh. to Bill. And it goes like this. In 1990, Y&T released the album 10. While Jimmy DeGrasso was the band's drummer at the time and did perform on the record, another notable drummer was brought in to help on some tracks. Who was it? Aaron, do you think he's going to know this, or do you want to challenge him? I don't know Bill's Y&T knowledge. Seems like a pretty tough question, though. I got the lead. By a point. Oh, man, this one's coming right down to the line. I'm going to play it safe. I'm not going to bet against them. All right, Bill. Do you want the question again? Or are you ready for the choices? Go ahead and give me the question again. In 1990, Y&T released the album 10. While Jimmy DeGrasso was the band's drummer at the time and does perform on the record, another notable drummer was brought in to help with some tracks. Who was it? Your choices are Denny Carmasi. Jeff Porcaro, Steve Smith, or Michael Michael Cardelloni? Let's say Michael Cardelloni. That is incorrect. Mm. Correct. The correct answer is Steve Smith from Journey. Oh wow! And it's Crazy. Uh, if you if you've seen the Y and T documentary on uh, Prime Video, it there's a whole bunch of drama about that whole situation. Hmm. Huh? I'll check that out. That sounds pretty cool. It's a great documentary. Wow, this one's really coming down to the last question here, huh? So we're still four to three Aaron, right? Yeah, right. yeah. And the last question goes to Aaron. So, I mean, Bill, obviously obviously, you're going to challenge him on this because to t- try to tie this. This is the one I'm most proud of coming up with because I, <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> I, don't, I don't think you're going to know this, but we'll see. Oh, man. I was a member of one of the biggest bands of all time. My real name is Michael Coletti, 
What band was I in? Biggest bands of all time. Michael Coletti. I have no idea who that is. All right, what are the choices? All right, Bill's challenging. Coletti. Your choices yeah. are Guns N' Roses, U2, Bon Jovi, or Leonard Skinner. Michael Coletti. All right, so I don't feel like the guys in Skinner would have changed their names. Those are all names that are really theirs, I think. So I'm going to eliminate Skinner. I don't know nothing about U2. Um... Those guys, Bon Jovi guys, they're from Jersey, right? All right. What was his name? Coletti? Michael Coletti. Hey, hey, I'm Michael Coletti. Oh, uh, what the fuck y'all doing over there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah, that sells it right there. It's definitely Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi's your answer? Yeah. That is incorrect. Oh, <laughs> shit. The correct answer is actually Guns N' Roses. That is the real name of Steven Adler. Oh, wow. Wow. I had no idea till today. I had no idea either. Yeah, Steven Adler doesn't sound like a made-up name. No, it sounds like his own name. But yeah, he changed his name from Michael Coletti to Steven Adler. So weird. Well, shit. Well, what do we do? We're tied. I'll take a tie. I don't care. We've (laughs) ended in ties before. There's no shame in a tie. Bill, you and I are equally matched, my friend. Yes, and this has been a blast. This just means that Bill has to come back for a rematch. That's right. Yeah, we'll have to do this again. I'm back in the tires bracket. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got thinking about once you set this up that this isn't me and Aaron's first excursion on a podcast together. Oh, yeah. Because we did the lipstick panel forever ago. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. On Ace Frehley's yeah. debut solo album. Oh, man, that was so much fun oh, that time. Oh, God, that was fun. I missed that, was, that show. They were great. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I'm editing one of our episodes and it makes me laugh, then I know that, you know, after living it and then listening back, going, oh, shit, that's pretty funny that it was something good. But, man, when I listened back to that after we recorded it, I laughed my ass uh, off listening to us crack up on that thing. And I actually have Greg do my intro on my radio show. So when it drops nice. at 6 o'clock, he's like, hello, A to Z listeners. And I'm like, oh, Greg, dude, come on, get back to it. But, yeah, he's, uh, doing, <laughs> yeah. he's doing what he does and his yeah. Thin Lizzy Thursdays and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, I've watched some of his Thin Lizzy videos. It's pretty, pretty entertaining stuff. All right on. Well, hell, this was a hell of a matchup. Bill, thanks for coming on and giving me a run for my money. I don't have no shame in tying with you. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, man. All we'll right. see you soon. And good luck in the next round, Chris. All right, thanks. I'm going to need it. (laughs) All right, bye. (laughs) See ya. All right, here we are. Round three of Beat the Geek Week. Chris is off to a hell of a start with a 9-3 victory over Steve. I tied it up in a slow burn battle with Bill Elam. Oh man, that was a close one. Four to four. Chris Sinzak asks two hard of questions, clearly. <sighs> that was a tough one. I'm looking forward to the rematch on that. Of course, this is the game show that goes to 11. Yes, the greatest game show of all time with, I gotta mention it, the greatest theme song of all time. Thanks to Loose Cannon from Cobras and Fire for that epic tune to kick off these epic battles. 
man, Chris, you're on a roll today, but now I got a feeling that all might change. This is a gentleman we've been friends with for a while. Got to meet him at the last Rockin' Pod. I got to spend a lot of time with this guy, and we became pretty good friends over the course of the weekend. He's got his own show. It's called The French Connection. I'm going to let him tell you about it. But Chris, your next and final opponent for this week is our friend, Eric Luzier. Eric, how are you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing fine, man. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. That's awesome. I wasn't expecting it, and I'm stoked right now. Really excited. And um, looking forward to a battle against Chris that I'm probably going to get my ass kicked. But you know what? <laughs> Just being on your show is amazing enough. So I'm happy. Very cool. You know, we ha- we haven't done this in a long time. And so it was a while back that you, I think it was at Rock and Pod Weekend that you mentioned to me, like, I'd like to do Beat the Geek one time. Yeah. And I told you, I was like, okay, next time we do it, you're in. So then I, I remembered all this time later. And when I say, hey, let's do a Beat the Geek Week. You were the first person I reached out to. Thank you, man. And let me say that I'm, I want to win, obviously, but part of me won't be upset if I don't because Eric gave us like the most amazing Canadian syrup that we're still (laughs) enjoying at my house to this day. And it's like, it's like pancakes have never been the same. Yeah, we're we're not enjoying it at our house anymore because it's been gone for a while. (laughs) I'll bring some more next time. Nice. Yeah, we went a little pancake crazy around here after that. I actually wanted to bring you the, uh, it's a salad dressing, but maple syrup salad dressing. Maybe that's what I'm going to bring you the next time. Oh, wow. It's really good. What, I'm going I'm to start eating salads now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> as long as it's slathered in maple syrup. <laughs> yeah, maple syrup might help, though. <laughs> I don't understand, doctor. All I eat is salads, but I keep gaining weight. <laughs> Your blood sugar's off the charts, but I eat salad all the time. I don't get it. Every meal. I <laughs> darn Canuck. <laughs> so let's kick it off. The final round in Beat the Geek Week as Chris Sinzak takes on Eric Luzier. And the first question goes to Chris. The Servants were a band from Oakland, California. They released their first and only full-length studio album in 2002 before breaking up. The drummer, Chris Contos, would go on to play with Morbid Angel and Testament, while their lead guitarist would go on to join this band, where he remains a member to this day. So Eric, there's the question posed to Chris. It's a pretty tough one, and it's the first question. Do you want to bet against him and maybe steal his point? I'll go against him. All right, there you go. Eric kicking it off right away with a big challenge. The Servants was the band. The guitar player goes on to join this band when they break up, and he's still with them to this day. What band is it? Is it Wasp, L.A. Guns, Tesla, or Slaughter? I'm thinking Bay Area. So with those choices, I'm going to go with Tesla. Well, the guitar player in question is Dave Rude. So, yes, that would be Tesla. You got it right. Eric bet against you. Wow. Ah. Kicking this one off with two points right off the bat. I've never heard of the servants. (laughs) Me neither. I never had before this either, but I don't want to check them out. Question number two. This one goes to Eric. In October of 1986, Alice Cooper played his first live show 
since 1982 at the Arlington Theater in Santa Barbara, California. This largely unknown band at the time was the opening act. So Alice Cooper's been gone forever. The blackout era is over and now he's back. His first show back, this unknown band, who would go on to become pretty well known, is the opener. Chris, do you want to bet against Eric? You got the two-point lead right off the bat, or do you want to play it safe? I'm going to play it safe. I think he probably is going to figure this one out. All right, Eric, you're not being bet against. Was that band Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Faith No More, or the Red Hot Chili Peppers? I'm going to go with Guns. That is correct. Yes. Yeah, 1982, nobody knew who Guns N' Roses were, but they were there when Alice Cooper made his grand return to the stage in 82. Gotta love was that. It was 86. Oh, in 86, yeah, it had been since 82. Oh, yeah. That's right. And You know what I mean. Yeah, the reason why I picked Guns N' Roses is because of the year you mentioned. That's when they started emerging. So Yeah, right. yeah, because that would have been just shortly before they... Probably around the time they were recording Appetite for Destruction. Yep. Heck yeah. Nice. Both questions asked and answered correctly here. This is going to be a good one. Scores 2-1. to one. Chris in the lead. And the next question is his. This famous New York City venue was opened in 1906 as an opera house. In the 30s, it was a Freemason temple. Anybody who's anyone in the 80s and the 90s has played there. It was also the site of David Bowie's final live performance. So we're trying to figure out the venue in New York City. Eric, you want to bet against him? Are you going to let him slide? Um, He knows it. All right, Chris, you're not being bet against. Eric thinks you know this one. It's easy, right? Well, I have, an, I have, I have something in mind, but we'll see. I, I've got ideas, but I, I don't know it for sure. Okay, well, let me help narrow it down for you a little bit. These are your choices. The Palladium, the Fillmore East, the Hammerstein Ballroom, or the Limelight. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, this could be any of those four. I mean, that that's tough. Um, Opened in 1906 as an opera house, was a Freemason temple. David Bowie's <sighs> final live appearance. I guess, I'm going to go with... Fillmore East. That is incorrect. Shit. Yep, we're looking for the Hammerstein Ballroom. Oh. I was actually thinking CBGBs there. You were going to say that, and I'm, okay, it was not in there. No, no, CBGBs was not a, an opera ballroom, trust I me. I guess not. <laughs> it was a shithole. <laughs> I, I was going to include that as one of the choices, and I thought, well, Obviously, that place ain't no opera house. <laughs> I've never been, so I have no idea. This is more of an outhouse than an opera house. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you imagine Freemason meetings there. <laughs> There's dog shit on the floor. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Chris, you got it wrong, but you were not bet against. No points awarded. Score remains 2-1. to one. And this next question goes back to Eric. This legendary rocker plays drums on the Pink Floyd song Dogs of War from the 1987 album A Momentary Lapse of Reason. It's not who you'd think it would be because it's not a member of Pink Floyd. Chris, do you want to bet against him or do you think he knows it? I'll bet he knows this one. 
All right. I have a Eric. feeling Eric knows about Pink Floyd. A little All bit. All right. He knows a little bit about Pink Floyd, but does he know who played drums on this song? Eric, you're not being bet against. Your choices are Ian Pace, Neil Peart, Bunny Carlos, or Carmine Apiece. I'm going to go with Carmine. That is correct. Oh, wow. That's wild. <laughs> wow. Cool. That, that's actually one of my favorite Pink Floyd songs, especially. Carmine's on, playing drums on that yeah, song? Oh, yeah. It's one of Pink Floyd's heaviest songs. I had no idea. Yeah, it's song by Pink Floyd standards. That's pretty metal for as far as what they do. That's cool. So, yeah, it makes sense that somebody like Carmine with the heavy hands is wow. playing on that. Good for Carmine. That's awesome. The reason I picked him is because I'm trying to deduce, and I go, well, it can't be Neil, can't be Ian. So when you said Carmine, I said, that would make sense. Just a guess. I got lucky. <laughs> That's why Carmine owns like 15 houses. Right. It's like, uh, well, Carmine's played on pretty much everything else, so it would make sense he played on this too. Yeah. yeah. Do You Think I'm Sexy Alone has uh, made his financial life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go see right. that dude next uh, Friday, uh, Thursday. Oh, I bet you're super excited, huh? It's for my wife, but I'm for a cheap trick. She's for Rod Stewart. So. Leave the gerbil at home. Jeez. <laughs> 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 We're doing a callback from 30 years ago on that one. Jesus. <laughs> Richard Gere would like to have a word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No flash photography. Firearms, smoking, or gerbils allowed. Or gerbils. <laughs> Let's not blame Sammy on that one. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. This took a weird turn. Yeah. <laughs> so I met up with Sammy Hagar at the pet store, and he said to me, <laughs> All right, so Eric, you were not bet against, but man, you got it right. So we're all tied up two to two for question number five. And this one goes back to Chris. This is Ted Nugent's highest-charting album on the U.S. Billboard charts of all time in the United States. This is considered Ted Nugent's, by Billboard chart standards, most popular album. Eric, I'm going to give him four choices. Do you want to bet against him, or do you think he'll figure it out? He has to figure it out. I think I know it. I'm some Ted Nugent expert or something? No, but I I think... (laughs) I'm trying to remember the title of the album. I think I know it if I hear the title. So I figured if you hear the title, you'll know it. So I'm not going right. to get, bet against you. All right, Chris, you're not being, get, you're not being bet against. I'm going to give you four choices. Was it 1977's Cat Scratch Fever, 1980's Scream Dream, 1976's Free For All, or 2014's Shut Up and Jam? Shut up and jam. Your favorite album. That has the uh, I Love My Barbecue song, right? I love it. (laughs) I love my barbecue. It's what the Polacks do. That makes no sense. See, you Um, should be able to relate to that song, though. You would think so. I do love my barbecue, though, so maybe he's right. Yeah, I can almost picture you and uh, Steve dancing around the barbecue grill singing that song. That's a scary thought. Oh. <laughs> Cat Scratch Fever, Scream Dream, Free For All, or Shut Up and Jam. This is going to be a total guess. I'm just a bit, there's no way it's Shut Up and Jam. Um, I'll say Scream Dream. All right, well, Shut Up and Jam peaked at 26. 
Free for All at 24, Cat Scratch Fever at 17, and Ted Nugent's highest charting album, Scream Dream, makes it to 13. You got it right, but you weren't bet against. That's still a point, bringing you to a lead. I thought it was Cat Scratch Fever. No, 17 for Cat Scratch Fever. 13 for Scream Dream. Yeah. And then the people that bought it listened to Scream Dream and were like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. What happened? Yeah, that's that's true. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris takes the lead by one big old point, three to two. But, man, we got a long ways to go. We're only up to question number six, and it belongs to Eric. Even though they are considered one of the most popular groups ever, this band has never had a number one album in Canada. So you got to play it fair a little bit, you know? Want to want to try to help Eric out a little bit. Give him some questions from his homeland. Okay. Chris, do you think that's enough to help him out, or do you want to bet against him? What's the score? Score is three to two. I'm only up by one. Yeah. Um, I'll play it safe. All right, Eric, you're not being bet against. One of the most popular bands ever, but they never had a number one in Canada. Was it Aerosmith, The Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, or Metallica? Led Zeppelin. That is incorrect. Okay. I think almost all Led Zeppelin albums went to number one in Canada and everywhere else. Same with The Stones. Metallica... Black Album was number one everywhere. Yeah. Aerosmith has come close over the years, but they've never had a number one album in Canada, and that is the answer. Well, you weren't bet against, but you got it wrong, so no points awarded. Score remains 3-2, to two. and as we're creeping closer and closer to the kiss round, got one more question before we get there, and it's for Chris. Famed producer Bob Rock is best known for his studio work with Motley Crue and Metallica. But he's, pro- but he's produced albums for many well-known artists. Which of the following is not a band that Bob Rock has worked with? So, Eric, I'm going to give him four bands, artists. Okay. They've all worked with Bob Rock as a producer for their albums, except for one of them didn't. Chris has got to figure out which one is the odd one out. You're behind by one point. Coming up on the kiss round, though. You got to think about it now. Three to two. What do you want to do? Do you want to bet against him? Or are you still going to play it safe? I'm not going to. I'm going to bet right. against him just because to see if I could uh, get an extra point there. <laughs> All right. Yes. I might die right here, but that's okay. <laughs> He's risking it all. He could get right. a point to put himself and tie it up right here. Or Chris could jump ahead by... Three points. We'll see how it goes. One of these bands has never had their albums produced by Bob Rock. Is it Skid Row, The Offspring, Lita Ford, or Kingdom Come? I need a second here. Um, pretty sure Bob Bezrin did, or uh, no, Bob Rock did uh, Subhuman Race. So the other ones are Offspring, Lita Ford, and who? Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come. Damn. It's a hard one. Something tells me he did The Offspring. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say Lita Ford. That is correct. Darn. 
<laughs> yeah, Bob Rock produced Subhuman Race by Skid Row. He's done a few Offspring albums over the years. He did the debut album by Kingdom Come, but he's never worked with Lita Ford. So you were bet against, and you got it right. That gives you two points. Five to two. Bringing the score up, five to two, as we roll into the kiss round for double the points. Yes. All right. Here we go. The first question in the kiss round goes to Eric. Okay. Over their entire career, Kiss has only had one album go to number one in Australia. Which Kiss album is it? Chris, I mean, you know your Kiss, but do you think Eric knows the answer to this one? Or do you want to bet against him? I'm trying to remember if Eric even really is a Kiss fan. I don't think he really is much into Kiss. Um, Let's make it interesting. I'll bet against him. Oh, boy. All right, Eric. You are being bet against. They've only had one album go to number one in Australia. Your choices are these. Unmasked, Psycho Circus, Dynasty, or Destroyer. The only Kiss album to go to number one in Australia. That's a tough question. Oh, my God. Is Dynasty the disco one? That's the one with I Was Made For Loving You on it, for sure. I'm going to go with that one. That is incorrect. You're going to tell me it's Destroyer, right? Well, in Australia, Destroyer made it up to number six. Okay. Dynasty was a number two album in Australia. Not bad, not bad at all. Unmasked, you would think, would be the one because of yeah. you know they went crazy for them, but Unmasked made it to number three. The only album... By Kiss to go to number one in Australia. Man, they were excited for that reunion. Was Psycho Circus. I have some terrible taste. Wow. (laughs) I I did not expect that one to be number one at all. I thought that would be dead last. Yeah, that's what you would think. Oh, Jesus. You know, it's a little backwards in Australia. What did they drink in that country to put that one on number one? (laughs) Holy Jesus. Of course, a place that the toilets flush backwards would be the place that Psycho Circus goes. Oh, number. Yeah. Probably. It's bizarro. Yeah. Don't drink oh. kangaroo piss because you'll pick the wrong album. <laughs> <laughs> What's the beer in the giant cans? Fosters. Fosters. That's right. Australian for beer. Yeah. And they don't really drink it there, I heard. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Eric, you got it wrong. Yeah. And you were bet against. So that's so one that's more point. Two for, more points for Chris because it's, it's the kiss round. Oh my god! Yeah, I just got so Chris gets, Well, I mean, you still got a chance yeah. here. Yeah, you still got a chance. We can still turn this around. Let's see what Chris does with his his kiss round question, which I assume you're going to bet against him on. Well, I don't have a choice. <laughs> Not really. Not really. All right, Chris, album title ideas like In the Flesh, Disguise the Limit, and Higher Ground were kicked around early in the process of the creation of the Kiss album that would later on become known as this. We've already established Eric desperately needs these points, so he's betting against you. In the Flesh, Disguise the Limit, and Higher Ground ended up becoming this. Was it Dynasty, Love Gun, Asylum, or Music from the Elder? Well, let me preface this by 
I want to see the proof you have of these song, these album titles because I have no idea where you got this from. Uh, it comes from a what was it? A memo from the band's management at the time to the record company. I can't tell you no more than that. Well, when, until when I get this, until after. Well, say let me get this wrong and then you'll tell me where you got because I'm. Give me the titles again. Uh, In the Flesh, Disguise the Limit, and Higher Ground would end up being either Dynasty, Love Gun, Asylum, or Music from the Elder. I have no idea. on this. I've never heard those titles. Um, I'll just say Dynasty. That is incorrect. Early on in the process, they're like, yeah, this is going to be like a return to form. This is going to be like a kick-ass rock album. Don't worry, record label. Everything's going to be fine. Well, I mean, what do you think? We're going to do something weird like a, a concept album based on a Dungeons & Dragons game or something? We wouldn't do that. It was music from The Elder. Where did you see this? I found it. I was doing some digging, looking for some crazy kiss question for you that wouldn't be so super easy. And I came across this. On where did I see it? I found it somewhere digging it was deep. On Kiss Monster, maybe it, that's Julian Gill's site. Yeah, it's it was something like that. But wow. yeah, so those were possible names. Like, but it was so early on that it wasn't going to be that. It was, I never heard those titles. All right, Eric, that's good news for you because we stumped Chris in the Kiss round. You bet against him, and he got it wrong. That gives you two points. Shit, man. With two more questions left, you still got a shot at this. The score is now seven to four. So it can be done. There's a possibility. There's hope. (laughs) So here we go. Hanging on and clutching to hope. Question number 10 goes to you, Eric. And it's a battle of 1988. Which of the following albums released in 1988 charted the highest on the Canadian album charts? So, Chris, I'm going to give him four albums. I thought, make it fair. You know, I can't ask him about the U.S. Billboard charts. He's Canadian. So let me ask him about how they ranked in Canada. I'll give him four choices. What do you think? I mean, you're up by three points with two questions left. Do you want to bet against him, or are you going to sit on your lead and play it safe? I'll bet against him. Why not? That help, helps him if he gets it right. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> if I know it. All right. So which of these four albums was the most popular in 1988, according to the Canadian album charts? Was it Poison, Open Up and Say Ah, Iron Maiden, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, David Lee Roth, Skyscraper, or Scorpion's Savage Amusement. Which of the four? Was the most popular in Canada in 1988. Which David Lee Roth? Skyscraper. Seven Son of a Seven Son. Scorpion's... Scorpion's Savage Amusement. Poison, Open Up and Say Ah. Oh my, uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Poison. That is incorrect. In Canada, it was David Lee Roth. Scorpions made it to 25. uh, Iron Maiden to 11. Poison to 10. David Lee Roth skyscraper climbed all the way up to number six. I don't think people really remember how big Just Like Paradise was. That single was fucking everywhere. Yeah. 
I was going to pick him, but I don't know. I changed my mind because I thought Skyscraper didn't do big. Wasn't the, well, and, and the thing to remember, too, I think, was that's coming off the strength of Eat em and Smile. And yeah. kind of like we said about Ted Nugent earlier, I think people got that album and were like, Ugh, you know. Yeah. But a lot of them went out and bought it to find out this ain't nearly as good as the last one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Crap. All right. So Chris gets your point. That brings it up eight to four. We got one more left. What the hell? Let's no, rock this let's, game let's out. Have fun. Question 11. You know what? It's only fair. Let's do the very same exact question for Chris, but let's make it about the U.S. Billboard album charts. So you got the Canadian version. Chris is going to get the United States version. You are betting against him. And so I have to ask, how much different was it in Canada than in America in 1988? Let's find out. Which of these bands charted the highest in the U.S.? Was it Open Up and Say Ah? Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, Skyscraper, or Savage Amusement? Could be the hmm. same, could be different. I'm trying to remember what the singles were from Savage Amusement, because that, that's going to affect what I pick here. Wind of Change wasn't on that, I don't think. No, um, it was a different album, that Wind of, because the Wind of Change was their big breakthrough hit. But um, fuck. I'm going to stick with David Lee Roth. I, I still think he, oh, he came out big out of the gates with that one. Well, like I said, Scorpions in Canada with Savage Amusement went to 25. In the United States, it went to number five. Iron Maiden in Canada versus the United States, not a big difference. In Canada, 11. In the United States, they made it to 12. David Lee Roth, I mean, did just as good in Canada as he did in the States. Both of them go to number six. But in America, Poison, open up and say, ah, Goes to number oh, wow. two. I should have known that. So you, you got it wrong, and you were bet against, but too little too late it's... for Eric. The final score of this round of Beat the Geek, Chris Sinzak stands undefeated today. Final score, eight to five. It's not that bad, though. Hey. No, you, you, you played a great it's game. It's not that bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, that was actually really good because it came yeah. right down to it. Yeah, you still had a chance there at the end. But no, I, I'm kind of mad at myself for not knowing that Poison one because I was big into the band at that time. Yeah, well, I was sure it was Poison even on the Canadian side because uh, I know Poison was really big in the States. So I figured um, that David Lee Roth's Skyscraper sucked and stuck maybe for one or two songs. <laughs> and that's why I put I took Poison because right. they were on a high. I remember I saw them live that year in 88. And uh, I know yeah. I made a mistake. Well, and some of that is also the power of MTV. I think Poison had like three different hit singles off of that record on on MTV. The videos got spun a lot. Yeah. Well, I had much music, which yeah. is right. I was gonna say probably yeah. Same they with had much music. Them Poison playing all the time. So that's where I um. That's I I, I was I thought I, I was really sure that it would have been Poison even in Canada, but. You know, I'm good. Yeah, no, you did good. It yeah, was a hell fun. of a battle. You put up a yeah, pretty damn yeah. good fight. That was fun. That's fun. A lot of fun. All right, folks. So there you have it. We brought it back by popular demand. Beat the Geek Week. You got three full rounds of it here today. I hope you learned a little something. I know I sure did. And this is always a lot of fun. Greatest game show of all time. 
Brought to you by Decibel Geek and, of course, Pantheon Podcast. Check them out. Eric, tell everybody your show and where they can find it and where, when they can hear it. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, my show is called The French Connection. You could listen to it on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Then 4 a.m. on Saturday, if you're awake that early. And Tuesdays at noon uh, Eastern Time. That's when you could listen. And after that, I put them on mixed cloud so you could listen to it anytime. Nice. Thanks for letting me uh, promote my show. Yeah, of course, man. Of oh, course. Of course. Oh, shit. I forgot to say it's on CGCM Rock Radio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't want Rich getting mad at you. Yeah. No, I, Canadian geese. Hey. I called him a male stripper because he's always gone on these on these trips to uh, all kinds of countries and he's always going to see uh, live shows. And I go, how can you afford that? And um, I came to the conclusion that he's a male stripper in an old age home. So, <laughs> <laughs> Or he's a gigolo that goes all over the world. <laughs> oh, man. Rich that's Meister awesome. Dylan, male, male gigolo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a good guy though. Oh, we, we love rich yeah. and wally oh yeah oh, yeah they're yeah, both great sure. i i'm hoping to uh me and bob were hoping to do a show together all four of us together that would be great so maybe it'll happen because i also have a show with bob called the train wreck that is uh saturday at noon is it what tuesday at four or something i'm not yeah i think tuesday at four something like that and uh, it's basically me and Bob talking about me doing the same thing as uh, Rich and Wally does. Talk about music and uh, play some music, you know? Cool. You, do you nice. call, do you call each other fuckface just like they do? No. <laughs> <laughs> I basically call him Rabair. I call him in French. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. But no, I haven't. Uh, I got to know. I got to get to know him better before I start, <laughs> I start doing it. <laughs> calling him names like that before <laughs> <laughs> gotta ease yeah. into it yeah rich i could say stuff a bit because uh one time i we left ottawa to go to toronto to go see a um a motorhead cover band and it took me nine hours to get there because of a snowstorm so i was stuck nine hours oh, in shit. the car with him oh i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> And I live to tell the tale. <laughs> yeah. And then we go to the hotel. We arrive at one hotel. They transfer me to one hotel. And then I go to another hotel. They transfer me to another hotel. I was oh, my God. I'm going to miss the show. Anyways, next day, got back in my car, went back to Montreal. Took me four and a half hours. Wow. Which is not supposed, it's not supposed to go that fast. Wow. <laughs> supposed to be five to six hours rich is a trip like we, we've had him in nashville a couple of times and he's always been a blast to hang out with and and it's it's yeah. fun to follow yeah, his adventures all over the world to every cruise yeah. and everybody but like he needs to get back to nashville at some point i'm like come on rich yeah. i can't book yes. hardcore superstar but i can bring some cool people in yeah i i want him to go back too you know, because i feel it's important also for the station but i would like because i'm trying to go back Next year, I'm like it depends of uh, you know the flow of money, and I'm want to bring my wife, so she's gonna brave it out. She's starting to nice. go with show to shows with me. So far, she's been uh, to see my friend's band Atomic Train. She went to see uh, Volbeat and Hailstorm with me and uh, Sunset Drip. 
So she's getting used to it. Nice. It's just the beginning. That's cool. By the way, you got to listen to that video I sent you of Sunset Drip. Yeah, well, yeah. They're really, really good. Like, you like the raps, you should like this band. Right on. Well, hey, how about this? Let's end the show with that and yeah. play it. What's it called? What's the name of the band and what's the song? Well, um, Sunset Drip and Heavy Sex. That's the song. Heavy Sex. There you go. Right there from Eric Luzier's mouth to our ears. This has been Beat the Geek Week on the Decibel Geek Podcast. Hope you guys had fun. I know we sure did. And we'll see you next time. See ya.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 